Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Crowder Leadership Podcast. Great to have you back with me today is Kevin Kazimi from the nation originally of Iran. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Larry. It's great really to be able to have this opportunity. Kevin, I am, I've been so blessed to meet with leaders all over the world over the last 70-some years. You know, I've you know, traveled nations, sit down just like this, often with you in South Africa, I remember, mm-hmm. in different places, and with many <laughs> leaders throughout the world, and learn all these truths and these amazing insights on leadership. And so I decided, well, why not do a podcast and share this with thousands and thousands of people who want to learn about leadership. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me today. It's so good to have you here. Now, Kevin, we, I know you've told me many, many times, we're going to get into your story in just a moment, that leadership in the presence of God for you, that's what it's all about. When you know what Jesus is saying and doing, it makes all the difference in the world. Let's talk a bit about your story, because I know you went, went from Iran, I think, to Sweden, to I'll let you tell the whole story. Talk about how you grew up in Iran. What was that like? That's so intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, born in Iran in 1982 yeah. and uh, born in a Muslim home into a Muslim family yeah. and uh, kind of was raised up in a house of conflict. My mom was given into an arranged marriage at the age of 13. 13 uh, years of age. 13 years of age. Wow. And 14, she had my oldest brother. 16, she had me. And 18, my youngest brother, Alex. Wow. And uh, my dad, you know, he had his own troubles. Sure. Uh, was very verbally and physically abusive. And uh, all those things led to our escape from Iran that led us, me and my mom and my brothers, escaping from Iran in 1989 uh, to Stockholm, Sweden. Could you tell us a bit more about how that happened? Give us some more details? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mom was at a point of suicide in Iran. She okay. wanted to divorce my, my father. Yeah. But uh, Islamic laws of that time was that the uh, husband has the right over the children. Sure. So because we would... Uh, my mom says the treasure of her heart. She stayed with abuse for many years because she didn't want to leave her three sons. Right. And um, after a long time of just going through this hard uh, situation, she decided to commit suicide. And on that day, uh, something just you know happened. And I believe that something was uh, God himself right. uh, nudging her. And uh, that led to our escape from Iran. She hired man smugglers. Wow. And a journey that's supposed to take about uh, like four hours with airplane yeah. from Tehran, the capital city of Iran, okay. to Stockholm City, which is yeah. the capital city of Sweden. Right. Uh, took us about eight months. We escaped from Tehran to Turkey, Istanbul, Turkey. Wow. From Istanbul, Turkey, we came to Bulgaria. From Bulgaria, we escaped to uh, Oslo in Norway. Wow. And then we escaped via train from Oslo, Norway, to Stockholm, Sweden. And I was about the age of six we left, and about seven when we arrived. So you can remember this very vividly. Absolutely. I remember uh, just the... I mean, I was really happy that I don't have to be around my dad because right. of the verbal and physical abuse. Right. But I, I still remember the pain and the, and the agony and the fear that I could see in my mom's uh, eyes. But she just desired to bring us to safety. And so that was a long journey. It was a, a bold 
uh, step of faith for her, even yeah. though she was still Muslim. She loved God with all of her heart. Yeah. She didn't know God because she didn't know Jesus. Sure. But uh, I still believe, even though we were Muslims, you know, you know, I always say that Jesus said that, you know, you did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you to be my disciples. Right. And the reason we love God is because he loved us first. And so even though we were not yet Christians, right. uh, I still believe that God kind of helped us because there's a lot of miracles that needed to take place in order for us to come safely to Sweden. Okay, so you're in Stockholm, Sweden. How long were you there? We arrived in Stockholm, Sweden. After a month, we presented ourselves to the police. And, uh, you know, we became citizen of Sweden. And, uh, you know, I just, I love the culture. You know, I... I speak fluent Swedish, so I always say wow. I feel like Moses, kind of uh, in this identity crisis, right. looking like Iranian, but feeling like a Swede. But uh, we, you know, as, I think as a young, young man in Sweden, I just, you know, lived and grew up like any other Swedish young man would do. Sure. And so I didn't really think much about anything else than, uh, you know, my mom had done everything she could. She became successful in business. She had two own businesses. She bought a house. She got a, you know, a beautiful car, and uh, we were able to just live a good life. But her life uh, was kind of mentally and psychologically yeah. uh, just becoming worse and worse, you know, as she was becoming more prosperous in the natural. But mentally, she was not doing good. So talk about how your mom, I know your mom came to know Christ. How did that whole thing happen? So in uh, 96, uh, I think this was for the third time. Yeah. She was at a point of suicide. And, uh, you know, she was haunted by uh, memories of being uh, molested as a child. Sure. And uh, prison, she found herself. She had two dreams as a young girl. One was to marry the man that she loves. And the second one is that she wanted to study. She always dreamed of that she wanted to be able to have an education, which should be something that any young girl right. in any nation should have the right to. Right. Uh, but because her father died at the age of 11 of uh, cancer, you know, with him, all her dreams was buried. Mm. And so now my mom, you know, she uh, was thankful that she had brought us to safety. We were living in Sweden, prosperous nation, in a free world, so to say. But uh, she, you know, she had to have tablets to function. Yeah. She was highly depressed. She yeah. was suicidal. And in 96, she decided to commit suicide. Yes. And uh, on that very day, as she was kind of walking the streets of Stockholm, she found herself in front of a church that was very traditional, Stained glass, wooden benches. Wow. You know, you have candles, and I don't know what people do, blow a wish, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, mom kind of walked into this very traditional empty church, you know, beautiful church, Stockholm City. But uh, in that church, with no one in the church, no priest, no pastor, no people, she had an radical encounter with Jesus himself. She saw him in a vision. Wow. And that was the beginning point of her having a life that was totally changed and transformed. So as your mom's life is transformed, I mean, how did that affect you? What did you think was going on? You know, I think I was, I was 13 when this happened. Okay. And so, you know, when my mom came home, uh, we never have ever talked about Jesus. Right. I mean, as Muslims, we, we recognize him as a holy prophet. Right. You know, we, uh, we just, Muslims don't believe that he's the son of God. So. Correct. 
we I've heard the name Esau. We call him Esau, Esau Masi, you know, Esau. But I just didn't know uh, what to really believe about my mom talking about Jesus. Sure. But the one thing that I could not deny was that when my mom came back home, when I was 13 years of age, yes. she was a new woman, a new person. Wow. Instead of now, you know, being depressed, suicidal, uh, having tablets to function, my mom stopped with tablets. She was not suicidal. She was not depressed. She was joyful. She had this tremendous passion and love for Jesus. And even though, you know, I didn't believe in God, you know, and kind of in some ways being raised up in a, um, not agnostic, but in almost like an atheistic sure, nation. Sure. I mean, Sweden is a Christian nation, but right. it's not that you have church in every corner like you have right, in the States. Right. But, you know, for me, uh, her life became a witness. And that was something that really caught my attention. It was not so much what she said, but it was a transformation that took place in her life. So talk to us about your journey then. Your mom now is a believer in Jesus. Her life's changed. She got, she got three boys. I'm assuming rowdy boys. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> and so talk to me then about how was your life transformed and how long did it take and what were you going through at that time in your own life? So, you know, I was you know, 13 years of age, was involved in uh, soccer. I played a lot of sports. Sure. Um, Never really good at school. I have high dyslexia, very dysfunctional in that sense, but I just love sport. I love anything to do, working with my hands. So uh, I had a, I broke a, one of my legs, my left leg, at the age of 13 during that time, which you know, put me on this uh, break for six months from sport. And during that time, we moved from uh, the place we were living to another city. And I had to start my life all over again. But at the age of 14, I started hanging around with a new crowd. So as my mom is getting her life improved and she's getting better, my life is getting worse. I'm okay. now at the age of 14, involved in drugs, mm -hmm. in crimes. I am, uh, you know, nobody would think a 14-year-old would do crazy stuff, but that was just, you know, the common things. I hang around right. with a lot of wrong crowd. Right. And uh, many of them was older than me. And so, you know, I was feeling like I'm, I'm not finally finding my identity. Mm -hmm. This is who I am, you know. And the people that I was part of in the gang was like, became like family for me. You know, we had one thing in common is that none of us knew our dad. That's wow. one thing that really drew us to one another. Wow. And uh, my mom still, you know, she told me, Kevin, you know, uh, you have a heavenly father. He loves you. Jesus is the truth. And it sounds good. But mm -hmm. my mentality was, how can God be a loving God? If he's the one that put me in a family yeah. where there was so much verbal and physical abuse. So I was kind of a very mad, yeah. angry, right. uh, young man full of rage. And primarily because I was just angry at myself and the world. So, uh, But 16, my mom had a dream. And that's the first time the calling of God is revealed to me personally. And in the dream, uh, she's holding me. I'm just a baby. And an angel descends from heaven and takes me away from my mom. And as the angel ascends up to heaven, God speaks to my mom and says, pray for Kevin's faith. Wow. And at the age of 16, my mom tells this to me. And she says, Kevin, God is calling you. He told me to pray for your faith. I know you're not demonstrating or showing any signs of faith, but I believe that there is a seed in you. And I'm going to pray because you're going to go to the nation of the world. You're going to preach the gospel. Wow. You're going to pray for the sick. And God's going to use you in a mighty way. And that was the beginning point of the call of God being revealed to me personally 
But yet it was many years before I yielded to that call. So when your mom talked to you like that, how did you respond? You think she's crazy? You think this is, could be true? Oh, there was nothing else that came out of my mom's mouth. I mean, the only thing I knew was prayer meetings. Wow. Our home was filled with prayer meetings. I mean, I thought literally, you know, I didn't even know if there was any churches. I mean, she went to this small Iranian church, but we had prayer meetings. It was often. We were only, my mom would home, she would put on any preacher you can find under the sun. I mean, there was always a Jesus movie on a preacher on a TV. Really? So my mom really, I mean, emerged a whole house, you know, in this environment of, uh, you know, faith. But, you know, I don't know, it's hard to argue with someone that believes actually what they say. Right. You know, so no right. matter what we said, I mean, I was the one that mocked my mom for her faith. Yeah. You know, but she, she just, she believed. And she, she always says, Kevin, I don't care what you say. You have a heavenly father, and he has a calling over your life. Wow. And so, you know, she would do crazy stuff like, you know, anoint my bedroom, <laughs> putting oils on my, you know, mirrors, and sure. you know, praying over my pillow. And, you know, and they would find me sometimes totally high on drugs, you know, lying somewhere on the street. They would carry me up. You know, my mom would pray over me and prophesy wow. that I'm going to the nations. And I think she was aware of my life, but she was blinded to the situation because she so believed that one day God sure. is going to arrest me and put me in his calling. And that's exactly what happened. So how did God arrest you? How did that happen? Obviously, today you're traveling to dozens of nations, sharing the gospel of Jesus. You're now pastoring a church, you know, a new church in, in yes. Canton, Ohio. You served for, what, 11 years or more in YWAM and on and on and on. So how did that all happen that your life got totally changed by Jesus? It started by my mom coming home one day uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm 20-some years of age. Okay. And she said, I feel I'm called to be a missionary. I said, okay. Her, you, that your mom is called to be a missionary? She's going to be a missionary. Okay. You okay. know, I mean, I didn't even know what that was. You know? <laughs> you know, I've never been to church at this point. So she said, you know, I'm called to go to the nations to preach the gospel. You know, I was like, okay, mom. She took about a year of prayer and on and off fasting. And after a year, I was 21 years of age. She said, God spoke to her that she needs to sell everything she has. So she sold her businesses, she sold wow. her house, she sold the car she had, and uh, we had already moved away from home, you know, me and my brothers. And uh, she decided that uh, she's gonna go to the US as a missionary because God called her. And basically, making a long story short, uh, she didn't know anyone, and she was on a three-month ticket, you know, uh, returned to Sweden, but about two months, and my mom felt a little bit disappointed. She didn't know why she came to the U.S. for But she ended up meeting a lady one day that has started a missions foundation. And a lady who spoke to my mom, you know, said to her that we have a missions foundation and we are looking for a missionary and we believe that you are that missionary. Wow. And they ended up actually paying my mom uh, for all the expenses to go to a nation that she felt God called her to on a mission trip. Yes. And she prayed and she felt that that nation was Armenia. Wow. And so my mom calls me one day, she's super happy, you know. And for me, I really didn't care what my mom believed. Right. She could believe in a stone as far as I was concerned. <laughs> I just wanted her to be happy. Right. You know, so she called and she said, Kevin, God spoke to me to go to a mission trip. I said, he did? She was like, yeah. I said, where? She said, Armenia. I'm like, where's that? She was like, it's a small nation above Iran. I said, okay. She said, Kevin, God said something else. And I said, what did he say? She said, God said 
that you need to come with me on this mission trip. Wow. And that was the starting point of my journey into all of this. At this point, I was, I mean, let me just say that I was doing a lot of things that was totally wrong. Right, right. Just was in a lot of trouble uh, with the law and many, many other stuff. Sure. But basically, you know, uh, I was at a very crucial time of my life that I think if God would not intervene during that time, my life would have turned yes. in a very wrong direction. Four of my good friends today are buried. And so oh, I wow. think God really snatched me from the fire. Right. And so I said, I don't want to come on a mission trip. Like who would bring you know, someone like right. me on a mission trip? Right. You know? uh, my mom said, Kevin, it's only seven days. Don't give me an answer now. Just think about it. I'll call you back tomorrow. I said, okay, mom. And I thought, you know what? It's only seven days. I don't believe in this stuff, but I love my mom. And I can be with my mom. Sure. So seven days with my mom is awesome. Sure. And so I said, Mom, I'm, I want to come. I want to come. So she, she flew from the U.S. to Sweden. And, you know, we packed her bag, flew to Armenia. And uh, it was my first mission trip as it's a non-believer. Just you and my mom, not you and your brother's mom. Just, just you me and my mom. Okay. I mean, I was the... <laughs> I was the I was the troublemaker, so yeah. I think she had a and she had a burden for all of us. Sure, know, but uh, she really felt God say He needs to come on this trip, and so I went. I had a great time with my mom, but I hated the trip. Yeah, because I think being a missionary when you're not a believer <laughs> that's kind of hard. Right? You kind of feel out of out of context, so to say. So uh, I ended up meeting this young man, a youth uh, worship pastor uh, that is a great friend with me even to this day. And uh, he took me on the side just one night. I only met him for four hours. I've never seen him in my life. But he started to minister to me, but he operated in the word of knowledge. Yeah. And he started to reveal to me secrets of my heart that he could never have known of himself. Amazing. And that became such a sign to me. Uh, you know, I felt like, you know, how you, you know, if you're part of gangs, you don't want to cry. It's a sign of weakness. In my culture, I ran, man doesn't cry. I just felt I wanted to so badly cry that night, but yeah. I, I kept it inside of me. And, and he asked me, like, you want to stay here tonight, Armenian hospitality? I said, no, I really want to go with my mom, you know? He ended up taking my email address, and I thought, you in Armenia? I'm in Sweden. Like, what are you going to have my email address right, for? Right. But I gave it to him, flew back to Sweden. Uh, at this time, I've just turned uh, 21. You know, I'm still doing drugs, yep. I'm still partying. Right. My best friend David is released from prison. And uh, making a long story short, we have planned this crazy scam that either would have made us very rich or they have put us in jail for a long time. And a week about us doing this, yes. you know, this deed, a crime, whatever you want to call it, I get an email ad uh, from this young man in Armenia. And the email says, there's a pastor's leaders conference. 300 pastoral leads from around the world is going to come to this conference in Armenia and God is calling you to come. And that's how, you know, I uh, really thought in my heart, I said, man, like, this God thing comes to me all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. But for the first time, I made, a, I made a promise in my own heart, I would say, that I said, I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to not do it for my mom. I'm going to basically do this because I want to know God for myself. And this is a deal I made in my own heart. I said, if God exists, he knows I'm not taking this step for no one. Right. I'm taking this step because if he exists, I want to know him. Yes. Because I want to have a heavenly father. I long for a daddy. Right. It was, an, it was a vacuum, an emptiness in my heart. Mm. I love, I just, if, if he was my dad, I want to know him because I didn't know my earthly dad. 
And basically I said, but if it doesn't change my life, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'm never going to feel bad one time that it might exist. Because really, if my mom was 1% right, that meant that I was 99% wrong. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to know because her life was a witness to me. Yes. So I decided to go. And so what happened in Armenia? So two weeks before I'm going to go to Armenia, my mom comes and she says, God spoke to her again. You know, and I was Your almost, mom is so amazing. My wife, Laverne, and I love her so much. She's oh, amazing. thank you. She's amazing. So what happened? She can be stubborn like a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say an apple doesn't fall, you know, fall from a tree, so I tend to be the same. But now my mom, she's just a, a true woman that, you know, she's, uh, she, she loves her children and she loves, she loves God. So. Yeah. But my mom came to me and she said, Kevin, God spoke to me last night. I was praying with my friend, which was normal for her. And God said, when you come home from this trip, your life's going to change in such a way that no friend's going to recognize you. And then God said to me also that you're going to be born again, delivered from your addictions. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And you're going to meet a pastor from the United States of America. And he's going to take you with him studying the school of ministry. Now, my mom <laughs> didn't know anyone except the same young man that we met on a right. previous trip for right. four hours. Right. So I was like, Mom, like, what? Like, what? And, and she looked me in the face, and I'll never forget this, Larry. She said this, don't you dare say no. I was like, say no to what? <laughs> she was like, to that pastor. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, I said, you know, my mom is on her, you know, crazy journey again, you know, about God speaking. But I ended up flying to Armenia the first day. I was so high on drugs that I didn't make the conference. And, uh, wow. you know, I, uh, you know, I was just sleeping in was, and, you know, I don't know for those who have ever been in addiction, it's like when the, when the smoke and the cloud of addiction lifts, reality sets in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I walked in on the second day of the conference and, uh, I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, how did I even end up here? It was one of those, you know, moments like, right. why did I even come to Armenia? And I'm standing there, but there's an evangelist from Uganda. Mm. and he's preaching and his accent is worse than mine okay so like <laughs> I mean I was like what is he saying and you know 16 some years ago I could not speak hardly any English so uh, he was preaching and but it was not so much about what he said it was the atmosphere which I know today as the manifest presence of Jesus yes in that place and so I could not deny the atmosphere but he basically decided to make an altar call on a pastor's leaders conference and I always say this, Larry, who in the world makes an altar right. call on a pastor's and right. conference? I always say an African. <laughs> because, you know, in Africa, I've been there for seven years, you know, we, 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 we pray for the food and make an altar call. And sure. so they always have this tremendous heart that God came, you know, uh, to seek and save that which is lost. They yeah. love the lost. They mm-hmm. love, you know, they love God in Africa. That's right. And so... You know, he made an altar call. He was not politically correct. You know, he just left the nine-nine sheep for the one that was lost, and that was me. And he said, come to the front. Give your life to Jesus. A typical, you know, right. uh, evangelist. Sure. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm thinking, like, what? Like, go to the front. And I'm struggling. And I always say what keeps us away from God is our own pride. Yeah. The pride that we have in our yes. hearts. Yes, And I And I hear these words in my mind. And the same words that my mom said, when you come home, 
You're going to be so changed that not one of your friends is going to recognize you. And I said, let me go forward and see if God can do something. As I took one step forward, yeah. the evangelist looked over the crowd and he said this, when you come home, you're going to be so changed that not one of your friends is going to recognize you. Wow. And that became such a sign to me. You know? Wow. And so I gave my life to Jesus that day. You know, I... I always say I went down my knees. I didn't speak Christianese or King James. I spoke Kevinese. <laughs> I told Jesus my heart. I was just super honest with him, transparent, just told him the way I felt. And uh, the next day I ended up getting totally wrecked by the Holy Spirit. I had a four-hour encounter. Mm. I got baptized. with heaven. I stood up, spoke in tongues. Wow. And uh, a man walked up to me and was delivered from all my addictions. Never from that moment on, an addict from 14 to 22, never touched a single drug from that moment. God told me, supernatural delivered me. And uh, a stranger walks up to me and he looks at me and he says, I'm a pastor from the United States of America and I have a Bible school in Canton, Ohio. Wow. And uh, God just spoke to me that you need to come with me and study in the school of ministry and I'll pay for everything. <laughs> and I dropped my jaw and I was like, how did you know? Like, my mom just said that, you know, before I left. And, and that was a long journey into this whole new life yes. of being born again. Wow. And of course, now God's used you in so many nations since that time. And we're not going to have time today to get into all the things you uh, learn in leadership because we're going to do that on another podcast. But I have here in my hand a book written by your mama. And uh, we, again, we love your mama. It says, he read my letter where she tells the story. And I've been reading through this, uh, the story of all that you're talking about here is all that happened in her life and, and her journey out of Iran and through the, all these different countries and her journey to Christ and what's happened since. He read my letter. What does that mean? So how she uh, came to you know, have this you know, title of the book is that we were in Istanbul, Turkey. Yeah. And uh, we were there for a couple of months, you know, locked up in a little bedroom, basically. And every time we were, you know, about to be taken to the airport, we could not. There was something that was going wrong. There was something that was happening all the time. And after about, you know, uh, I think it's four months or maybe less or more, my mom, as a Muslim, sits down and, uh, and she writes a letter to God, Larry, as a Muslim. Yes. You know, and she, this is what she writes. She says... Um, you know, she explains her situation to God, you know, and then she says, I feel like a wandering boat, you know, lost in the midst of the sea with my children. And God, like, I just, you need to, you need to save us. You need to do something. And then she said this, maybe you cannot hear my prayers. Maybe you can read my letter. Wow. If you can, please take me and my children. And soon after that, almost immediately, we flew uh, to Bulgaria. But when she was sitting there, in Istanbul, Turkey, an airplane, right. you know, and as the plane was, you know, taken off from the runway, right. she remembered, he read my life. Oh, that's so, so cool. Well, this is a, pick this book up in Amazon Review by Books by Sarah Kay. Yes. Sarah Kay, he read my letter and so much more in here than we have time to talk about today. Amazing story uh, of, of just God's leadership in the lives of your mama, your life, your brothers, your family, and how God now has used you mightily. And uh, a few years ago, Kevin and our, our good mutual friend, Merle Shank, and I wrote a book, Encountering the Supernatural, uh, another book, Discover God's Amazing Presence and Power in Your Life. I want to ask you a bit about that yet. Uh, again, that's available either through Dub International Store 
uh, or through Amazon, wherever you buy books. And get all this on the show notes, all this information on the show notes, how you can get a hold of Kevin. Because uh, fast forward, like today, I mean, you've been in itinerant ministry now how many years? I mean, probably over a decade. Yeah, over a decade. Mm-hmm. And how many nations have you been ministering? Do you have any idea? Last time I counted, about 45. That's amazing, yeah. 45 <laughs> nations. And uh, so if you want to get a hold of Kevin, identitychurch.org. Yes, sir. And it's all on the show notes. And a lot more of you hear any of his messages, sermons, whatever, it's all on there. So let's talk a bit yet about you are a firm believer in walking in the presence of God, experiencing the presence of God. You gave some examples of that here already. And talk about how the presence of God in leadership, this is a leadership podcast. How important is it to understand, know, and walk in the presence of God and be the leader God's called you to be? What's that look like? Talk to us. I personally believe that you cannot lead people where you have not yourself walked. Beautiful. And so I, I personally believe that also you give out from what you have. Yes. And so when we planted Identity Church, example, because that's my context of leadership at this moment of my life, right. is that we said we don't, you know, I love Rick Warren, I love present-driven church, but sure. a purpose-driven church, but we right. decided we want to be a presence-driven church, mm-hmm. which means for us personally, you know, that uh, in the season of our life that everything we do is uh, around the presence of Jesus, not around activities. And so uh, my personal leadership model is that, you know, I believe leaders need to lead by example. Right. And so I want to make sure that I model a, what a healthy relationship uh, with Jesus looks like. And I believe that uh, the catalyst uh, to uh, be that healthy leader that can model a love relationship with the Lord and set an example people around you right. is the presence of God. So talk to us a bit about how that works in the local church. I mean, you've been an itinerant minister of yours, you're now leading a local church. And talk to us a bit about how that works in your life personally, because you mm-hmm. said you can't lead people where you haven't been yourself. And that's yes. so true. It's a great leadership principle and concept. Talk to us a little bit more about how that works in your life or in your church or both. I think before even, you know, like when it comes to the life of David, we know that he had his private victories. Yes. And, you know, it's a common saying in leadership right. that before God can give you public victories, that's true. you need to have your private victories. You know, Very God good. couldn't trust him with Goliath because he was able to kill the lion and the Very bear good. in Very the wilderness. Good. Very and good. so for me, you know, there are encounters that I have with the presence of God in the secret place, in the mm-hmm. place where there's no crowds, there's no mm-hmm. music, there's no wow, That's there's good. no applause, there's good. none of that stuff. It's only me and the audience of one between right. me and Jesus. And and I think, you know, for me, it started not with leadership. It didn't start with platform. It didn't start with uh, crowds or mic or itinerant or church plant, none of that stuff. It started simply with me having a desire mm-hmm. to encounter God. Mm. and to be in His presence. And uh, that led me into a series of uh, times of refreshment yes. in His presence. And as I learned to steward that presence in the secret place, Beautiful. and I learned to become that resting place for the Holy Spirit, I was able to uh, bring that now to the platform and to the public. Mm-hmm. And then from that place of uh, understanding that, you know, uh, we have done a lot of practical things in our church family, like we say, example, worship for us is not an experience. Mm-hmm. 
Like worship is something that we do. We, we, we exalt the Lord in worship. It's not about us. It's about Him. But the generosity of God is that when you touch heaven, right. heaven touches you. Right. So we don't gather around songs. Mm-hmm. We gather around presence. Beautiful. Worship is not about five fast songs for us on a Sunday morning and too slow. It's about how can we come and become this resting place. As God inhabits the presence of His people, mm-hmm. He comes and He rests on His people so we Beautiful. we love the whole concept of whatever we do we want it to be presence focused and and that can look in many different ways right. depends on the setting that you are working on wonderful kevin gazimi and carrying the supernatural uh and obviously talking about the presence of jesus in our lives in our ministries starts personally and then god meets us in a practical way in a public way as we're as we're walking with him Absolutely. so any less any last minute thoughts you have on leadership we're going to have you back because we want to you've had so many years of itinerant ministry and leadership you've had years with youth with a mission i know in cape town south africa and beyond um and you married a wonderful woman mariella yes Two daughters, wonderful daughters, one son as of a month ago. It's wonderful. Any last minute things you want to say before we close this podcast? I mean, once again, I want to really highlight that, you know, it's uh, leadership starts in your own home, yeah. you know, to lead by the presence of God yes. in your own home. Yes. And then from that place of leading from your own home and living example in your secret place, you're able to lead publicly because you can only give what you have. You've got it. We're going to have you back, Kevin. Thank you so much. What an honor you, and blessing Larry. to have you here with us on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast today. Again, the two books we mentioned, Encountering the Supernatural with Kevin Kazemi, Merle Shank, Larry Kreider, and your mama's book, an awesome book about your whole story and her whole story, Sarah Kay, who wrote, He Read My Letter. That's Sarah Kay, period. He Read My Letter. So here we are going to close this episode of the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast where we learn these small things. And in some ways, these become very big things because as we obey God in little things, we see the amplification of the Holy Spirit in our lives Absolutely. and touching many, many people around us. So again, check out the show notes if you want to get a hold of Kevin at identitychurch.org. And uh, you'll see some other information on there from today that will be helpful to you. God bless you. We look forward to having you back real soon. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.